Hi, I'm Patrick. And I'm Jeff. And we're making a TV show. With Patrick's writing. And Jeff's experience. We're on the journey to turn this story into the next bingeable series. We're documenting our collaboration. The highs and lows and everything in between. So that you can see what it takes to make a TV show while we're developing it. This is Two Guys Making a TV Show. On today's episode, we talk about the logistics after casting including equipment and location scouting. And later, we discuss the translation between script to screen. Okay, so nuts and bolts, what do we do next? Let's take stock of where we're at. Okay, so where are we at? We are just finished casting. All the contracts have gone out. We've heard back from essentially everyone. There is one individual who um, he's yet to respond, but he also said he was on a shoot during this time. So he might be a little slow. I actually think he's on location, um, but everyone else is, is getting things back. Uh, I think we have signatures from, I believe half of them now, six or seven of them now. Um, so that's good uh locations is the other thing so unfortunately we had to release one of our locations that we were going to use before i think just we spoke and creatively it just like just didn't quite fit and um i mean it would it would have looked fine but at the same time it it didn't uh if we can get a little bit better to 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 where to accurate i think we should always you should always try and go for that um we uh so that's one thing so we're looking for sal's house and we're gonna lock down the school um i have a walkthrough on friday with saint francis yeah um uh at like noon i believe with barbara um so or 11 a.m i think is actually when i'm coming over and uh so i'll do i'll do that um the other thing is uh the west texas shoot so now that we kind of have everyone sort of like falling into place and casting is sort of, we've rounded that corner and that's kind of, you know, solidified, uh, thinking about logistics to get out there. So as few cars as possible, you know, to, to ride caravan out to Marfa um, and, and through West Texas, we'll be able to set up shop out there, do a little bit of our, uh, oh, not a little bit, we'll do all of our shooting out there, but it, before we can do that, I'll need to scout. So I was actually thinking about um, taking my wife and going out there possibly this weekend, if we can swing it, uh, just to snap photos mm-hmm. and, um, and then be able to like talk to people a little bit more boots on the ground. Um, I am always a very big fan of when it comes to locations, talking to people always seems to be better than emailing them. Like email is for the follow-up usually, if you can, if you can swing it of like, hey, thanks for talking to me. Like, here's the details. And like, let's start to kind of, you know, finalize this thing or whatever. But people in their spaces and rightfully so, they're always a little, especially if they're not used to filming, they're always a little like, well, wait, what? You want to use this for, huh? Um, luckily, we, we don't really have any of those locations yet. Um, and anything that would be that would probably be an exterior, which is easier. Um, exteriors are, are almost always easier unless there's fire involved. Mm-hmm. And then people get weird for obvious reasons. Um, so 
our goal or the, the objective is scout, find the right times of day to shoot, which you know, I think we kind of know, find the right locations to shoot, uh, which will require, it'll be easy when we're in town, it'll be easy to find roads where we can see like Sal riding through the neighborhood or exteriors of buildings that kind of like, or, or establishing shots with set pieces to small town in West Texas. What will be more difficult is finding the right spots that are accessible to us for, um, to like, like Bobby's fall, for example, like finding a spot that, you know, is convincingly looks like, oh, he fell, you know, far enough to hurt himself badly um, and so forth, right? Not super worried about, I've never been out there, but I've seen plenty of images from the area. And so I'm not super concerned about finding something like that. Um, and plus the magic of, of filmmaking is you can just sort of cut in a way that it looks like that, right? Um, and gear. So we have quotes from, from multiple vendors uh, and, and multiple quotes from those vendors for different packages and such. Um, so getting the gear solidified is not a huge issue. In fact, um, I asked for a little bit more and I think now what we're doing is trying to just pare it back and pare it down to what we need. Um, and once we have that kind of set, we'll have our accommodations, our logistics, our locations, our gear, our cast, our insurance, and that will be it. Those will be the major pieces we can do ahead of time. The expenses after that are expendables, which are like your, your tapes and your snacks and your things that you just, little things, right? And, um, and food for the cast. So, and we already have some idea from our estimate as to what that will be. And for, um, for the lightweight crew that we have, yes. What, what exactly, who exactly do we need? Like you mentioned a DP. Yes. Uh, it would be nice to have a DP, an AC. So the deep, so a quick thing about the camera for, for anyone that is unfamiliar. I think in today's day and age, what's fantastic about cameras is you can take uh, a micro four thirds, which is basically like a DSLR, like a Canon Mark, you know, a 5D Mark III or whatever, or Panasonic Lumix GH5 or, or a Blackmagic pocket cam, cinema camera. Um, those are all fantastic cameras and, and they punch way above their weight, right? Like they're really friendly to um, people who are just starting out or people who are thinking about getting into the professional game. You can learn a lot off of them. They've got a great image. The difference between that and a cinema camera, which is what we're gonna be using, is that cinema cameras are not quite so user-friendly. They're big, they're heavy, they're professional grade. So they don't, they're not concerned necessarily about making it so accessible to the masses. They're concerned with uh, ergonomics, form, weight, um, power, battery life, and so forth, right? So you're talking about a much bigger, essentially computer that has a lens on it, right? A recording computer. And that's literally what it is at, at that stage. Um, in order to properly maneuver and, and handle those and get a great image, there's a lot of responsibilities that, that hover around the camera and you wanna parse out those responsibilities as much as you can. So your AC, your first assistant camera will oftentimes do things like pull focus, or swing lenses, changing lenses out, um, be responsible for the gear, 
manage the well-being of the DP or the camera operator as they operate the camera, or even operate the camera themselves, depending on if that's something that the DOP wants. Uh, when you have obviously more hands on deck, the people who are in charge of the vision can take a step back from actually handling things and sort of look at the vision itself uh, if that's what they prefer. Um, some DPs are, are very much on the on camera and like to hold on to things. That's what they like. Some directors even do that, you know, coming from certain backgrounds. But so with that being said, we obviously have a DP and we would like an AC. It may not be necessary for all days, but there will be certain days where it'll be nice to set up the shot and have someone that can help with those things. Sound. So sound is not, that's where your professionalism is made or broken. Like people will forgive a bad picture. They do not forgive bad sound. Bad sound is unforgivable. So you do want someone who, who knows what they're doing and has the proper gear and isn't, you're not relying on the sound that comes from your camera because remember that camera is doing so many other things that to depend on that sound as your lifeline is, is not good. It won't sound good. It's risky at best. Um, you want someone who's got the proper setup, who's got the boom pole, who's gonna get up close, um, capture multi-directional sound, gonna have the loud ears, who's gonna make it so that you got three, four, three or four you know, different uh, channels of sound that are being recorded so that you have the most possible options when you get into cutting it, when you get into the editing room. Um, the other things who, a PA, production assistant, that would be nice to have on set for a few days. Um, they just do the things like making sure that forms are being signed and people are being you know, sent to the right spot and little tasks that need to be done that inevitably come up when you're, when you're on set or, or on your way to set. Um, food deliveries or pickups, you know, errands, things like that. Things that you can, you can uh, lose a person in order to gain, gain a, a, a box to check, you know, sort of thing. Um, hair and makeup is, is a really nice thing to have. I, I wonder if that might be a little outside of our budget this time around, um, but uh, it would be nice to have. And it's, it certainly adds a little bit of uh, specificity to people's looks and such. Um, the great thing about today is, and I've worked on plenty of sets where they weren't quite as concerned about this, is one, we have such a great cast and they're so visually dynamic that they'll take light and it'll be, it'll be beautiful. Um, you want more your hair and makeup and, and eventually your, your, your VFX that can come from hair and makeup for things like Bobby's blood, you know, and the injuries that may, you know, whether he's bleeding out of his nose and his mouth or, um, or want to show bloodshot in the eyes from trauma, from being hit or whatnot, mm -hmm. right? Those sorts of things are important. So that's an area where, you know, um, I'm really looking to crunch numbers. And as certain quotes come back and, you know, numbers are coming in, I'm, I'm sort of massaging and finding ways to bring this down and pump a little bit more over here and bring this over here and so forth. Yeah, um, certainly with the, the Hamler-Larry scene, a cheap way around it, of course, is just showing, you know, close up on Hamler gripping and then focus on Hamler with the, the motion and then it yeah. cut and then Hamler with the out of focus Larry 
yes. there with a the pen in his neck. But if you could show the actual action, yep. that's more impressive, but I imagine more costly too. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, blood is one of those things that uh, are, are sort of the ubiquitous recipes for filmmaking, right? Because so many horror movies and, and zombie films have been made that they all have a recipe now. And yeah. so blood is, we can find it. Um, wardrobe we can find you know the appropriate wardrobe for for these for these uh, and pulling that for these actors is is not hard um but it would be nice to have someone in charge of that it'd be nice to be like i don't have to think about that we can think about this over here um yeah. so really crewing up in a way that's smart and effective and uh, efficient you know like we we don't have the luxury of having a million dollar budget where we can just have people on set just in case we need to kind of look at it and be like, no, we need someone here at this day at this time, but not here, not here. Yeah. There. Um, so that'll be strategizing and using, making the best use of our time and money management, I think is the, are the things that will dictate kind of how the next steps work out, but we know where the broad steps are and where the broader strokes are. Um, there's really, it's nice because we can, we're at the stage where you can kind of start to feel the momentum pick up. We're at a good place as far as timing. We're about uh, roughly five weeks out. So um, that's good. That's really good. Um, we'll start to solidify things probably in the next 10 days or so. I think we'll start to get contracts really uh, with vendors and such really nailed down. Um, and then that'll leave a little bit of, of opportunity in your last two weeks for all the little details to kind of percolate to the top. So you can see like, okay, how are we getting people from point A to point B before we move to the real point B, right? Like how do we get people to the same spot? Where are we gonna park here? Uh, what time should we break there? You know, those sorts of things. Um, and that comes with call sheets. So I've, I've got the general template for our call sheets marked out. Um, the shot list is marked out. The storyboard is, is marked out. What else? Those are sorts of, those are sort of the things that are, that are on our to-do list or are being done list. Yeah. And then with, with legal, we're, we're just on the home stretch. It feels like we've got our organizing um, uh, agreement. We've got our, our literary agreement. Um, we've got, we're officially, you know, formed with the state of Texas and all that, uh, formation documents. Uh, yeah, that is kind of just as soon as we uh, get final signature on um, the organizing resolution. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I can go and set up a bank account at um, frost. Yep. And that will, that'll allow us to then have that money to apply towards vendors and whoever else. Yeah. So that should be good. And everyone that each one of the investors is aware of the timing there and just waiting on us. So that's also good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it feels like we're in a really, really good spot. And uh, I think before we know it, it'll be roughly May 1st. So we'll be looking at like the final, you know, two weeks. We'll 
we'll have our game plan in mind. Um, it feels, knock on wood, it feels like everything's moving pretty smoothly right now. Um, uh, COVID compliance. So we have a COVID compliance officer that will be with us. Um, so she'll make sure that everyone's checked in with temperatures and tracking that and making sure that, you know, um, how do we feel about being in a car then talking about COVID compliance? So we, with the, um, Ford transit medium top, I think it's called, it's a 15 passenger vehicle. We can put, uh, I think it's got five or six rows. I think it's got six rows of seats and uh, can fit 15 people. And so we'll have a driver and we'll have one, two, three, four. We may have five other people. So we may have six people total. And I think if I've read the dimensions correctly, if they're seated kind of like airplane style where one's in this seat and then one's over here in this next row, we can actually put some, some cushion between them, some space. Uh, and then we'll just, you know, ask that they stay masked up, you know, as they, as they travel. Uh, hmm. And uh, accommodations will, we're able to swing everyone having their own room, their own single occupancy room. So they're not going to be sharing, you know, space in a hotel or anything like that. Um, yeah. In a motel room or something. Um, so that's good. L luckily outside, we're outside for Marfa. So that's um, helpful. Um, right. With the exception of the one scene where we'll need um, the old man and, and Sheriff Holly to be going at it, shoving each other. Um, Do we want to film that out in Marfa? Uh, it's not imperative that we do. If we don't, we'll have both the actors out there. So if on this scout, if I can find a location that, that fits, even if it, I mean, like, it could be, I've always pictured it like you, I've always pictured it like inside his home and he's like shoving him in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah. But I guess these, even if it's an exterior where it's like in front of a garage or something or, or some sort of or a wall or, or yeah. whatnot. Just something, uh, yeah. Cause I think the intent is uh, to tease that um, plot, uh, that, that beat that happens yeah. in first season is yeah. right before the, the precipitation of the fire and the cabin and the, the old man's quote unquote death uh, yeah. to spur Hamler to, you know, do what he does. It's like, yeah, just to be able to demonstrate that, oh, Holly's coming in contact with this old man and he's not pleased. Um, it's not going well. Yeah. Um, so it would be, it would be better because JB is, is based in Dallas. Uh, it's not the end of the world. We'll just have to, we'll just have to budget for keeping him an extra night if we do end up shooting back in Austin. Um, because as of right now, our essentially what we'll do is we'll all meet up at one location, make sure everyone's cars are safe and, and parked somewhere. And then we'll, uh, all travel together caravan style to, to Marfa, um, okay. on Sunday, the 16th. So that would necessitate, uh, probably shooting on Wednesday. So right now we actually come back on Tuesday 
like by midday we start headed back so we should be back by tuesday evening yeah um, well i mean it makes sense then having uh having that shot there um so holly's gonna be present throughout the the whole thing right because he's out in marfa doing his running and seen with bobby uh, and see, potentially seen with the old man and then yeah. he's going to be back in austin in the interior of a classroom for yeah. some establishing shot there yeah yeah and then and what's your shot with gretchen where gretchen's putting her that's hand right on his face. yeah um extras for the classroom for the yeah. neighbors along the like south so, so yeah that's that's something that i'll have to scrounge up i think it'll be i actually surprisingly think it'll be easier in marfa than it will be in austin at westlake so marfa i think i can i can as i make calls and and if if i end up going this weekend i can kind of pop into shops and just meet people um, because we'll need a search party too and some flashlights so people that are kind of with Holly as they're looking for Bobby. Um, Westlake, however, was like, we, not only do we not want you here during school day hours, but we don't, we're not going to lend any of our, we're not going to tell our kids to, to be a part of this because that would be, that would defeat the purpose of not having you here during school hours, basically. We don't want to cross, risk cross-contamination with, with our germs. Yeah. Um, so we either need to find some extras and we could probably pull from the actors that audition for you know that we know about already um which is fine or shoot in a way where sort of like uh breakfast um is it breakfast at tiffany's or is it uh what's that freaking movie um with um molly ringwald uh Sixteen. Well, basically, they're in. Is it the one? They're in the classroom, and they're what's his face? Not Charlie Sheen, but the other one. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, Breakfast Club. Yeah. Yes, they're in the they're in the classroom constantly, and there's only like a few of them in there. Um, I don't like that idea as much, but basically, what I'm saying is, what it would necessitate is just implying that there are other students in the room by constantly shooting what's called dirty shots. So if I'm shooting you even if it's not the appropriate actor, what I would do is just stick someone's shoulder in just enough to imply that someone's seat, sitting in front of you. Mm -hmm. And then that would give you the, the impression that it's a full room. And you just constantly, you're either shooting so close that all we see is a one shot or we're shooting a dirty one shot. So that, you know, it's we're looking past someone's shoulder to yeah. see and whatnot. Um, and we cheat that way. It's, it's, it's a give and take. It's easier in the sense that you don't need as many warm bodies in there. You don't need to feed them. You don't need to pay them. It's harder in the sense that you have to set up the camera more often because you're constantly like moving in ways and, and moving people and shifting things and so forth. Right. So that you can do that. Um, yeah. So I guess we can um, play that one by ear because if, if we wind up in a position where we don't have enough bodies, then we can change the way that we shoot it. But maybe the it the yeah it's just it, it 
it's just hard to get around without some initial shot of the classroom, either from behind Holly's shoulder to see there's a bunch of yeah. disinterested kids. Yeah. Um, and then from there, like if it was just that one shot of yeah. 20 people in a classroom, and then after that, it's the dirty shots that you're talking about. Yeah. That feels fine. Yeah. Um, you need that establishing shot to set the, the magic, to set the rules. Oh, okay. We're just looking over that shoulder. We're looking past that shoulder. We're looking over that head. And uh, otherwise, if you don't have that, you don't have an establishing shot. So you're just dependent. You would just be dependent on Kyle, for example, speaking to people or no one and just sort of fixated and just hoping that whatever he's saying is important enough and, and his eyeline is good enough that he's sort of like implying that there's someone out there, which yep. people do that. I mean, it's, it can be done and it can be done effectively, but I agree. I, I would like to see the classroom or we'd like to see, and that's partly why we need to scout St. Francis too, to make sure that we can undress a room so that it looks like a high school room. So that if we have that establishing shot, um, it doesn't feel like an elementary school. Yeah, um, and then Amy popping in, I think would potentially be another, maybe not as wide of a shot of the classroom, but to to have some bearing on, oh, Amy is like surveying the yeah. room and spies south. Yeah. Um, like yeah. that, uh, the, the specialness of her gaze on south would yeah. be important there rather than she's just in and then there's Sal. Um, yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, seeing if uh, all those other, it'd be interesting just looking through the other Sal actors, Ashley actors, Amy actors, and saying, do you, you know, want to fill in the, yeah seats because they all yeah. look about the same age yeah and yeah and frankly if if um there might even be room depending on our day and our schedule this won't be the objective but if there's room at the end of the day to just set up a few shots where you know we have some some glamour shots for them that they can add to their reel you know that look really good and crisp um mm -hmm. who knows might be something that we can do uh but it's always good. I'm a big advocate for getting on set, you know, as much as possible, especially when you're just starting out. If you're just like 22 and fresh out of school, like as an actor, you need to be, even if you're not the focus, you need to be on as many sets as possible. So just to know how they work and, and different various scales and such. So, yeah. uh, so our set will be a, a, a lean, small set, um, but very much, I think, professional in the sense that you're seeing what it's like to to have um, professionals move in a way that their jobs are important and their tasks are important and their supplies and the planning and such needs to be of a certain level because there's a lack of just having a million hands on deck you know ready to to make up you know any lost ground from day to day um yeah. so it's a good exercise um I'm excited. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, because I feel like it feels like the last nail in the coffin for COVID in some ways for this pandemic, you know, not that it's necessarily going anywhere in a literal sense, but 
2020 sort of being like, okay, you are officially behind us, you know? Yeah. Well, especially with the April 19th uh, Biden date of everyone can get a COVID vaccine at that point. I think that's going to be great because that gives us a month of everybody involved getting at least one shot, if not the one Johnson and Johnson shot. Yeah. Um, So there's that that's all good news. Um, Yeah. And then one one thing that that keeps popping in my head as we're talking about logistics around the shoot is um, making sure that it's good, making sure that like what we're shooting is relevant and impactful and provocative. Because it, it it's like all right, yeah, that's this this becomes the delicate dance of we can get all the technical pieces right. And we've prepped in the way that we think is most appropriate to to tell and tease the story and whatever else. But there's that translation of those two things coming together to tell a story that's worth hearing, that yeah. is interesting and engaging to people. And um, yeah. That's what I, I keep re- reading over the the sizzle script, and I think, okay, yeah, the the way that it reads on the page is going to be slightly different in the pacing than what it looks like because some stuff um, takes up more uh, real estate on the page yeah. than it will seeing it. Yeah, and then other stuff that doesn't take up that much real estate on the page might actually take a little bit more. Yeah, um, yeah, and that maybe that's with the, the the editing too. That we'll have enough footage that it can be uh, displayed in a way to maximize the the impact, and maybe that's where the the music that we might put to it comes into play if we get. Um, uh my buddy and his relationship with the indie rock group yeah like okay does that does that fit um similarly with uh my my other friend that uh, sent over a song that he was noodling on saying well maybe this could fit i'm like well i kind of want to try both because one that my friend that sent the song he and i had written stuff over 15 years ago that when I thought of the shots in West Texas, I thought we actually wrote some stuff that was, it was inspired by a band that we liked called horse plus donkey. <laughs> it was this, um, oh, it, I, I don't even know how to describe what they sounded like, but it, it was like Tex-Mex. It was like a Tex-Mex of music. Nice. So it was, it, there was a psychedelic component to it, a super, um, um, uh, what's the filter called? Um, but so, something over the guy's voice when he was singing. Huh. Um, and uh, really, like, really echoey, but it was haunting. 
at the same time. It was something that conveyed loneliness and an expanse. You could see someone uh, uh, like walking with a pack over their shoulder through a desert with Did this music. Did you like the Mars Volta in any way? Did you ever listen uh, to the Mars Volta? Less, a little less energy than the Mars Volta. Mars Volta's, I also love, was just frenetic. Yeah. Um, and this group, God, if I could, I still play there. There's a baseline that I loved of theirs that I, anytime I pick up a guitar, it's like one of the things in rotation <laughs> I'd listen to. I'll have to find something and, and send it to you um, if I can. Yeah. But like either way, I think the music would add a lot and certainly the editing uh, yeah. to be able to put it together because maybe, maybe the way that it's currently constructed reads better than it looks. And so then like, what do we, what tone are we going for? What are we leaning into? What's yeah. the what's the emotional punch that we want people to feel seeing this? Yeah. Um, and I think what we had gotten to is we really want people at the end of it to go, what the? F yeah. Yeah. Like, I need to know more about this. What is right. This? Like, yeah. oh, you think it's about this kind of, but that's interesting. Wait, yeah. what? And then you know, huge diversion from what your expectations might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Um, I think we'll know more about locations by the end of the week. And ne early next week, I think more of the pieces will start to like solidify. I'd like to get the gear kind of um, shored up probably by next week, just because that one in particular is, I know that if other people are doing things, they're they're probably going for the same stuff that we are. And uh, so, whereas the locations I'm not as concerned about, it sounds like Westlake, for example, is being pretty picky about who they talk to about it right now. So um, for starters, and uh, we're going at a time when Marfa, I don't think will be, it's not like it's gonna be full of tourists yet. You know, if, if that even happens this summer, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we'll, we're in a really, really good spot. Really excited about it. Nice. Yeah, it's good. It's fun. It's, uh, it's soon. It's one of these things we've talked about for a while, and then now it's like, oh, it's, it's around the corner. It is. Yeah, it's actually not that far away. It'll probably feel like it's rushing up on us when it gets here. The weekend, like that Friday before, we'll be like, holy shit, it's like Sunday. Like it's two days from now. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, time flies, man. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, and then we get to, after we get the thing shot, then we'll, we'll likely wanna regroup and start digging into what, what the hell goes on now, what the conversations with the editor are gonna look like, um, because he's, he's busy with his stuff through May 22nd. So it was perfect timing for us, given that as soon as he's done with his stuff, then we'll be ready. Um, but I imagine that that's gonna be an ongoing conversation with him to make sure that he's capturing or his the people that he's trained up that will likely be working on this stuff uh, for us yeah. that yeah. they know. Um, 
they know what the, the point is. Um, and then we get to engage a few people about music and man, I guess I don't know what stage to do that. If, if they work in tandem, if the music might influence the editing, editing the music, uh, or if we want to get the thing edited into like, here's, here's what the flow of the video and sound looks like. Okay. Now let's layer on music. I think generally you do that. You have picture lock before you have the score, but that's not to say that a gazillion scenes haven't been cut because they already knew what they were going to put as the score or the music. Right. So, um, I don't think there's necessarily a right answer, but if it's original, um, and it doesn't exist yet, sometimes it's better to cut the picture first so that you just have a flow with the visuals and then mm -hmm. match the story. But, but I don't know, I guess certainly the conversation can start almost immediately, you know, once we're done filming, like mm -hmm. the themes, what you're going for, the tone, inspirations. I love it when, when musicians have ideas in their heads already just based off of the themes, you know, like what did they know about it? And then what impulses did they have? I feel like those are always really uh, honest and very informative. Like they really, because you can go, ah, okay, that's what you hear when you, when you, when I talk about this, this is what now knowing that this is what we're going to see now, how does it reflect back? You know, is it the same? Is it certain instruments are punched up, certain melodies, certain rhythms, mm -hmm. uh, timing, you know, whatever. Um, editing is like a, it's difficult because there's so many options, right? And there's so many ways to cut something in the same amount of footage and you can get so many different feels and looks and timings and so forth. Uh, so that's, it's fun. It can be frustrating, but, it, but I think it's really fun most of the time too. Um, so yeah. And that'll be, it'll be sort of like writing again. It'll be like, we're back at the writing stage, but now we're sort of uh, married to certain looks and footage. And like, now we're definitely all seeing the same thing because this is the only thing that we can see right now is, are these shots, right? Like, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll be fun. I mean, it, what's, <laughs> what's kind of interesting is the, the one shot that I've had in, oh, this actually brings up a good point of what we were talking about earlier too, um, props. So there's one shot in my head of Sal's biking to school and he leaves his bike amongst this like collection of other bikes at the school and there aren't any cars. And so yeah. in my head, I've had this, this shot of like, Sal riding his bike and essentially just kind of riding it, hopping off as it's still going and, and letting the bike drop on this yeah. like pile of bikes. Yeah. And all of the bikes have like tape and patches on the wheels and like they have been used. Beat up. Yeah. Beat up. Um, and having having some shot of like behind and to the side of Sal and he rides his bike, hops off, kind of drops it. And then he trots off into school and here are the bikes. And then there's the school. Yeah. Um, as like that, for whatever reason, that's been in my head for that. Um, 
but then I, I, there's a couple of yellow flags that I think, all right, would people really just throw their bikes on the ground like that? Probably not. They'd probably ride their bike and maybe they trust everyone to where they don't have to lock it up. They know whose bike is whose or whatever. I can certainly imagine that there might not just be a pile of bikes, um, <laughs> but something that they could kind of ride their bike and there's a spot for it. Yeah. Um, and certainly not having any cars. Uh, but then, that, so what it called into question was, are we able to get a bunch of bikes <laughs> to, to have yeah. out there? Um, yeah. Is it that important to have that many bikes? I would think some bikes would be important, uh, but yeah. you can always just have the desk, empty parking lot no cars and then there's some bikes and you just invent some people walk yeah. uh, that's a good uh, question but that was something that came up like if even if marfa had a bike rental place for people that want to go around um and see stuff would they allow us to dress up the bikes in a way to make them look old yeah Maybe not. Um, that was a great question. I'll have to look into that. Props. Uh, same with the gun for the rifle for the dish, you know, uh, moment. Um, I'd so uh, another thing on that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, ha having that person. Um, it, it like. You, you can't tell who this person is at all. Like they're wearing goggles, uh, but it, you know, to presumably protect them from sand getting in their eyes. Yeah. Head kind of covered up, mouth with a bandana, long sleeve clothes to protect them from uh, sun exposure, like stuff like that to really hide the identity of this person, but yeah. maybe having hair flowing. Oh yeah, to where you know it's a it's a woman. So to have that kind of like pop, and then point of view of Sal, unconscious on the ground, and sun behind this person, and you see, like in that clip, of seeing that person, you just get a little bit of a hair flutter, or something. Yeah. yeah. Straight razor, pills, pill bottle. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Do you have hydrocodone from your um, back injury? I think I do, actually. Okay. Yeah, I think we I could, do. We could potentially just, uh, depending on where your name is printed on it. Yeah. Uh, do something where you could see. Uh, yeah. We can go extreme close up and, and rack focus and we can, like it'll be kind of blurry for just a second and then it'll sharpen and then you'll see hydrocodone, you know, on the, mm. on the label and frame it in a way for close enough that you don't notice, you don't see my name or the, or it's twisted in just a way that we can get away. Or maybe it's on its side actually. Maybe um, we can burn the label a little bit so that yeah. it looks cold. 
yeah name could be burned off or yeah. like kind of scorched out yeah and like maybe it's interesting enough that it isn't his name it's not like some doctor gave him a script for that yeah maybe yeah, exactly maybe he it's a reused bottle just yeah yeah oh that's interesting they only have so many supplies right so maybe they, yeah they just reuse things or yeah like they they might have it might be like this presumed scarcity because no one really knows that the old man has this whole operation going yeah uh, but uh the the bottle itself might be something that that they don't that's that's a thing that they can't get on the train is new bottles for this yeah. stuff so yeah. they just keep reusing old ones that are labeled that okay this is a hydrocodone bottle so if you need more you go to this center and get some more yeah uh, and refill your bottle or whatever yeah. yeah the medicine cabinet so what do you think about so as it's currently written the idea was if you slam a medicine cabinet hard enough presumably that's that's an occasion for a camera to get loose if it was kind of glued yeah, on yeah. or something. Um, there was there another was idea I wanted to pose to you um, in lieu of, because I, I like the, that idea just because it's physical, it makes a sound, it's very easy to track from a storytelling perspective. There is another option and that's that we know someone, so Josh and I were talking about it, we know someone out in um, LA that's uh, doing a ton of VFX right now. And this would be actually quite simple. So if we end up, with a bathroom that doesn't have, because they're kind of getting harder to find a medicine cabinet. It's just a straight mirror for whatever reason. We could do it in a way that if we, you get the blinking light, tiny, tiny light coming through the mirror, right? So maybe for the first time Sal sees it. And then when he, when he presses on it and he starts pressing hard enough, the, um, the the sheen of the of the mirror is like that uh, effect that you get when you've if you've ever shattered your phone or, or broken it there's that, that that oily sort of digital sheen that starts to happen on the screen where you can see the, the like the glass is beginning to bend or the plastic beneath it and yeah. such and yeah, yeah yeah and then when you do is what you do is you all you do then is just turn around and get coverage of of Tyler directly into camera as he's pressing it, you know, as he's pressing on it. And then you pull that out into your shot of uh, the people monitoring it, you know, whether that's one of a bunch of them or, or if it's a larger one or whatever, so that you establish that he's being watched and you don't have to have something physical actually drop on the ground. You're just establishing that he is indeed being watched and, and he's like sort of like, you know, touching something in a way that, that he's like, wait a minute. What is that thing? You know, like what is that? I've never noticed that before. Um, and it would make it so we didn't have to uh, somehow attach the medicine cabinet on it if it doesn't have it. Um, uh, crazy idea. idea. Because I like, so I have a crazy idea that I like based on what you were talking about. What one aspect of of what you're talking about, which is fun, is the uh, if, so granted, if we don't get a medicine cabinet, then how does the scene play? If he's pointing at this, 
um, like that's that feels intrusive for a for me watching, right? Like I'm seeing yeah. I'm seeing this person like reach out as close as they can get and touching this thing. Yeah. But then the reverse shot of that showing that kind of uh, like, hey, this isn't what a mirror typically looks like when you press on it. And this, yeah. is, this is happening to it as if it's a screen. Um, yeah. That's certainly cool because that, that still can, that, that gets the WTF moment uh, dialed up because this, yeah. is, this typically doesn't work like this. Um, yeah. The crazy idea would be, um, could the mirror shatter and break, exposing the camera? Uh, it, could, in, either in visual effects or um, potentially triggering it in, in real time with Tyler acting. Because it, that, and the reason I ask too is because um, the, the shot that you had in Studio Binder of the, the finger holding uh -huh. up the tiny camera. Yeah. What was so awesome about that to me is to, sh to show it, like, what the f is this? Yeah. What and to use that moment of stillness looking at that camera to do that rapid fire montage of all that other stuff happening to come back uh, yeah. to him looking at it and then looking back up at the mirror yeah and then that's the that's the end i i i like that connection point between it's him touching the camera that yeah. then all of this stuff comes from that moment of realization okay. that life isn't what he thought it might be and he's yeah. given this whole like i'm gonna kill myself monologue based on the world doesn't just like doesn't dislike me the world's just not interested in me and that alienation yeah. that i feel is going to cause me to kill myself and at the end yeah. not only is he super wrong but he's wrong in yeah. a way that he couldn't have even imagined because now he's finding out after talking about how no one really cares about him there is a camera yeah. embedded in his mirror looking at yeah. him for some reason yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> The world's super interested in you, actually, the world Sal. Is super you interested know. in you, <laughs> but in a way that you might not have expected. Um, yeah. So there's a, an element there that I, I I love the the imagery of touching on the like the shot of reaching out and touching the screen and then showing the the uh, kind of bubbles that might have if the screen was detached a little bit. It's yeah. causing these shimmers and oil spots or whatever. Yeah. Um, but to have something that allows him to engage directly with the camera, to put it on the, the tip of his finger. Um, yeah. So I didn't know if, if that was even. There might be. Let me talk to, let me see if I can get Stephanie. Um, she's working on, uh, what are those, those movies? Uh, the one with the blue people. Um, and uh, Sigourney Weaver and Sam Worthington. Avatar. Gosh, I don't know why oh. that was so hard for think of. Um, she's working on the sequels for Avatar right now, so that's how that's how she's learning 
and learn so much about VFX, I'm going to ask her, like, is there a way that we can, one, have the mirror shatter, two, and then we can think about practically making it shatter is, is uh, certainly not impossible by any means, but just difficult and tedious. Um, we'll have one shot basically probably at the, because we'll have to take off whatever mirror is there, put on the, the one that we'll shoot with and then break it. And then once it's broken, it's sort of broken. So if we can do it digitally, that would be a lot better. If we can just shoot whatever's there, map it out afterwards, get rid of it, and then put in the fake one. That just and maybe the, the whole the whole mirror doesn't have to shatter. Maybe it's portion of it. Yeah, him pushing on it, and then it sh like shows a crack forming. Yeah, there's something, and then he could take that piece off and expose yeah. the camera. Yeah, and then he reaches in. And then you see, yeah, then you see the shot. Right yeah, there. but could yeah, yeah, could just be like a top corner, some small piece that he hasn't noticed, or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. I'll talk to her about it. I'll see if I can get get her on the phone. Um, but I love that idea. Uh, tiny camera, tiny tiny camera. Yeah, tiny we camera. we made a list of tiny cameras we found on Amazon, right? Yeah. But I'm thinking now even, I mean, that might even be VFX as well. If we can get it really, really tiny, that could just be a simple, if we just take a shot of him, of Tyler holding up his finger and then just blender in a little device right there. That's yeah. not actually, that's actually not that hard at all. What else? Oh, the photo, photo of mangled boy mm. and Hamler's frock that's wardrobe wardrobe yeah Hamler's frock and Holly's sheriff outfit okay so uh okay cool nice on the next episode we dive into Sal and Amy and what their arcs look like over time with some new ideas coming to the table. And later we'll discuss the importance of color and how each character might exhibit a particular color. Join us next week on Two Guys Making a TV Show.